Hold your Bible up for me and say this after me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The forgiveness of saints. Uh, Sorry, the communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting, amen. So tonight we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. And if you remember, those of you that have been here, I started a series uh, several weeks ago, and then Pastor Amber preached last week, started a series called Jesus Said What? And what we're doing is we're looking at these sayings, we're looking at some of the teachings of Jesus, and seeing how they challenge us to live a different life. Now, you and I um, have, a, have a, it's a, it's a hard job to be a Christian. And the reason that it is is because when we say we're Christians, we say we are choosing to live like Jesus. And to live like Jesus is to live very differently than most of the people around us. And so it is difficult. And so the best way to live like Jesus is to see what he said. Like, what are you saying, Jesus, that challenges us to live differently? So tonight, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and verse 12. It says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, it says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and make all sorts of false accusations against you because of me. Be glad and celebrate. Because you have a great reward in heaven. Remember, that is how they persecuted the prophets who came before you. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and make all sorts of false accusations against you because of me. Be glad and celebrate because you have a great reward in heaven. Remember, that is how they persecuted the prophets who came before you. So tonight, I want to just give four Quick thoughts hey um matt i man i we just had like ten guys walk into the gym. Will you check on that for me, Matt Sims? Thanks. I'm not sure what's going on. If they're coming to play basketball, tell them we don't play basketball until eight thirty. Thanks. I am distracted. Let me tell you two reasons why I'm distracted. One is I'm distracted because we just had 10 guys walk into the gym that uh, they should be in here getting saved. And secondly, secondly, I'm distracted because between worship in the last few minutes, the same three, four, five, six people get up and go to the bathroom every single week, every single week, the same six or seven or eight of y'all. And so let me just challenge you. 
You don't have to go to the bathroom. You just have ADD. And it's time for you to say, you know what? I, I, can, I can stay in here and focus for a minute. I can, I can sit in here, and, rel- I can sit in here and, and I can lift my hands and worship. I can go to small group. And I can listen to Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Amber or whoever is preaching. I can listen to them share God's word. I don't have to go to the bathroom every time. But it's the same, it's the same handful of eight or six, six, eight, ten people. Same ones every single time. Um, so let me just challenge you. Let me challenge you if you constantly get up every single week at the same time, you don't have to go to the bathroom. You just need to focus. Is that, hard, is that a hard word? Do I sound like a dad? Yeah, well, welcome to, my, welcome to my children's lives. Some of you in this room would be like, I'd love it if you were my dad. Talk to Addison and Carson. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. I can tell you this. I'd love the, I'd love the crud out of you. Um, but, we would, but we would try to live a Jesus life. So, so now, now let's lock in. We locking in? God, I'm so distracted by, by so much going on right now. So the question I want to look at tonight, I want to give you four thoughts, is why does Jesus say that I'm blessed when I'm persecuted? Why does Jesus say that I'm blessed when I'm insulted? Why does Jesus say that I'm blessed when there are false accusations that are brought against me? First thing we have to do is we have to look at this word blessed, and the idea of blessed, it's not the best word. We use bless for all kinds of stuff, right? We use blessings for all kinds of stuff. So like if, I, if somebody sneezes in here, what are a lot of us going to say to that person? Yeah, we're going to say, bless you, but we don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Like, if somebody sneezes and you say, bless you, like, what are you saying? Are you saying, I'm sorry, that looked like that hurt? Did your heart just stop? Are you okay? Like, what are we saying when we say, bless you? A lot of times we pray this way. How many of you have ever prayed? You don't have to lift your hand, but how many of you have ever prayed this way? Jesus, I just pray that you bless this food and you bless us and you and you bless our service and you bless the school year and you bless our family and you we just we bless everything right just bless everything we can think of we just it's like a blessing a thon so we do a lot of blessing all the time and so the question is, is like what in the world does it even mean what does it mean to say bless you or bless this or bless that what is all what's what's the deal with blessing and so I want to tell you I want to I want to teach you a Greek word tonight because the New Testament's written in Greek I want to teach you a Greek word y'all ready for this all right. The word here, blessed, is makarios. Say that, makarios. Now, let me tell you what it means. What it means for us is, it means in sync with the kingdom of God. And I know y'all are going, did he do that on purpose? Did he play bye-bye-bye in sync? Yes. Yes, I did. So, it means that the kingdom of God has a different order, a different set of rules, a different understanding of the way you and I are meant to be human. It's just different. And what this word blessed means is you and I are in sync with that kingdom. We are, we are, we are following that order. We are following, following that set of rules. We are following that understanding of living that particular life. So the kingdom is, when Jesus uses this big word kingdom, the kingdom is what the world would look like if Jesus were king. Or another way to say it is what would the world look like if Jesus had his perfect will and his perfect plan for the world all of the time. That's what the kingdom of God is. So the kingdom of God is not a location. It's not somewhere that you go. You don't go to the kingdom. 
You, don't, you go to the magic kingdom. You don't go to Jesus' kingdom. The kingdom is any place where Jesus' will is happening. So if we go over to Burma today and we see there are Christians that are being killed because they believe in Jesus Christ, is the kingdom there? No, because no, it isn't, at least it's not happening in that moment, right? If you, are in the, if you are on your way to the mall and you see somebody standing beside the interstate and they're holding a sign and they say, can you just help me? I'm homeless and I'm hungry. Is that kingdom for that person? Are they in the kingdom right there? Is that God's perfect plan for their life? No. God's plan for their life is that they have a home and that they have food. So the kingdom is wherever God's perfect plan and God's perfect will are happening. And it happens sometimes. It happens all over the world at different moments. Whenever we get together and we honor Jesus, that's a kingdom place. Whenever we get together and we do something as a group for the good of the world, that's a kingdom moment. Whenever we do what Jesus would do, so the way that we bring the kingdom is is we look what Jesus would do and we do that. Jesus would walk around every single day we see in the Bible. He'd walk around and he would lay his hands on people that were broken and people that had diseases and, and, and issues with their body. And he would lay his hands on them and they would be healed. They would be healed. And as they were being healed, that was the kingdom happening in that moment. Because where God's perfect plan and God's perfect will are happening is the kingdom. And so this word here, when it says blessed, it, it means you're in sync. You've aligned yourself with God's perfect will and God's perfect plan. And so what he's saying here is that you are blessed. You have aligned yourself with the kingdom of God. You've aligned yourself with God's perfect plan and God's perfect will when people insult you. So what Jesus is saying is you've got a good sign. This is a great sign that you're doing the right thing when people tell you you're dumb for doing things Jesus' way. So I'm going to give you four thoughts real quick. You ready? Number one, the first thing is, is, is that if you are a Christian, I am a citizen of a different kingdom. Do you see that there, Michael? It's the first, point number one. I am a citizen of a different kingdom, or I am a citizen of heaven. It's very important for us to note that when Jesus says, happy are you when people insult you, that he's not talking to a group of individuals. He's talking to a group. The you is a you plural. And what he's saying is, happy are you when you've joined a group, when you've joined Christianity and people look at you and view you as being crazy or wrong or broken or something's different about you. You've aligned yourself with the kingdom when that's the case. Point number two, we're just going to do these fast. Point number two, so point number one is I, follow, I am a citizen of a different kingdom. Point number two is I follow a different set of laws. Now, when we talk about persecution, the enemy persecutes everywhere. Enemy persecutes everywhere. Now, in most of the country, in lots of places of the country, the enemy's type of persecution is obvious. He tortures or hurts or kills people for proclaiming to be Christians. Do you know that today, 10 people are going to be murdered because, simply because they're Christians? Today, over 10 people are going to be killed. Somebody's going to come to them 
and they're going to say, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And they're going to say yes, and they're going to be killed. Today, over 25 people are going to be tortured or beaten or abused because they are Christians. Over 25 people today, over 800 people a month are going to be tortured. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be abused because they're Christians. But we live in America. And like that's not happening here, right? Nobody gets killed because they're a Christian in America. And, and contrary to alarmists, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. When somebody says there might come a day that somebody's going to stand in front of you and they're going to ask you if you believe in Jesus and they're going to shoot you if you say, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We don't have to have the pressure of a gun to our head to prove that we actually love Jesus. The way that we prove that we love Jesus is when we live the Jesus way with no pressure at all. That's how we prove that we're followers of Christ. And so the enemy, what he does is, since he can't hurt us, torture us, persecute us, since he can't abuse us like he does in other countries, he's chosen a much more subtle, discreet, strategic way to come against us as Americans. He does it through things like consumerism. Now, here's what consumerism is. Consumerism is this thing that's been planted in every single one of us that says, I get choices. I get choices. Most places in the world, we get no choices. Like you don't go to the store and look at 40 different kinds of cereal and pick out one or two of those. Most places in the world, that's not what it's like. How many of you have a hard time standing on the cereal aisle because you like like 20 different cereals? I do. I like all of the cereals. There's no cereal I don't like except maybe Muslix. I don't want Muslix. I don't want grape nuts. They don't have nuts. They don't have grapes. It's just hunky crap. I don't want that. But for the most part, I like every single cereal. And so what's happened is, is we've gotten this idea that we get choices, we can just choose to do whatever we want, and if we don't like something, we can choose to do something else. And this is why this is dangerous, because whenever a pastor or someone in the church challenges what you think, what you feel, or what your behavior is, all you have to do is say, ah, I'm out. I'm not listening to that. I had a girl sit in my office several years ago. She came into my office, and she asked me a simple question. She just said, hey, I've been doing this. Don't you think that that's okay? And she set me up. She put me in a very tough spot. Hey, I've been doing this, Pastor Jeremy. Isn't that okay? And I went, why do you think that that's okay? She said, well, I mean, you know, my friends. And I, and, and, and I said, look, I, I just want to tell you, my personal opinion is, as a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't do this. She never came back to church ever again. She never came back. I never saw her ever again simply because I challenged what she believed. And as consumers, we think if somebody tells me, if somebody challenges me, if somebody judges me, then I move on. And so the enemy has done this in, in, in America. Here's what we do. We bounce around from churches. We bounce around from leaders. Or we don't invite people into our life to challenge us as followers of Christ. When's the last time you looked at one of your friends or one of your friends looked at you and said, man, I don't think that's like Jesus. We don't do that. Why do we not do that? 
Why do you not challenge the people on Snapchat and Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media thing or your text messages? Why do you not challenge them when they say something, do something, post something that is not Christ-like? For, for whatever reason, I don't know what this was, but about three or four years ago, we had, a, we had a group of young people that were in here. They were juniors and seniors, and they all started these spam accounts on Instagram, and they would post the most vulgar things regularly. They would just post vulgar, I mean, talking about, like, where did this mouth come from? Like, do you praise Jesus with the same mouth that you're typing? I, I get it. I get the metaphor kind of, kind of breaks. But do you praise Jesus with the same mouth that you're saying these things on social media? Because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't um, congruent. And we challenged them. I remember one of our leaders challenging them. Look, what are you doing? What are you saying? You can't talk this way. And they bowed up and said, who are you to judge us? You can't judge me like that. That's, what, that's, what, that's the pushback we got. And that's one of the ways that the enemy has infiltrated even the church. And it's one of the ways that he persecutes is because he puts in this subtle, this, this subtle attack against Christians by using our own culture. We've got this idea How many of you have ever heard someone say to you or you've said to someone, don't judge me? How many of you have heard that before? Don't judge me. You can't judge me. Who are you to judge me? The problem is, is the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says the exact opposite. Now, look, trust me, I get it. The Bible does say judge not unless you want to be judged. But what Jesus is saying there is very different. What Jesus is saying is don't judge in a way that you would not yourself want to be judged. Don't use a different metric. Don't use a different ruler. Don't use a different, don't use a different way to judge one person that, unless you would want to also be judged that way yourself. That's all Jesus is saying there. But this idea, don't judge me, that's not Jesus. Jesus tells us that we will be known by our fruit, by the things that we do. We are to judge things. We are to judge things and we are to say, I don't think that's like Jesus and I don't need to put that in my life. I don't think this person is acting like Jesus, so from now on, I'm going to pray for them instead of try to do things with them. That's what Jesus is saying. But instead, we think that nobody gets to be invited into our business. And I just want to challenge you. You need to invite people that love Jesus into your business and let them challenge you. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you posting? What are you saying? What are you texting? What are, who are you and who is challenging you? Who's monitoring? Who's telling you that's okay or that's not okay? You guys have unbelievably God-fearing, God-loving, not perfect, but great small group leaders. If you don't invite them to look at every Instagram account that you have, my suggestion to you is you are probably trying to hide something and not be like Jesus. It's that simple. Invite them to look at everything that you say. If they want to look through your text one day, I get it. That's private. Hmm, but is it really? Like, what are you hiding? I tell my kids, they know this. We're not going to hide things around here. You can't hide stuff. I'm going to look at your stuff sometimes. Why? Because I love you and because my job is to shape you into who Jesus has desired you to be. And when we challenge you the way that you talk, the way that you think, the way that you post, we challenge those things. It's not because we want, to be, we want to be rule makers. It's because we want to be people that shape you to be like Jesus. We don't have it all right. Trust me. God knows we don't have it all right. But as a group, as a church, as a, as a, 
as a, as a, as a minister, as a youth group, if we, can, if we can start heading toward the same direction, that's what we're doing. So the enemy uses those kind of things to persecute us, to challenge us, to get us off course. He uses things like individualism, this idea that I'm not part of a group. He uses things like, um, he uses things like the brokenness of, of, uh, of sexuality in our culture. All of us. He uses those things. And we get sidetracked. That's how the enemy subtly persecutes us. He uses things like materialism. Today, 25,000 kids under the age of 18 are going to die because they starve to death. And you and I spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars every year on crap. Like, like clothes that we don't need. Do you know the majority of the world has one set of clothes? That's it. They get naked and they wash their clothes and then they put it back on. They don't have anything to change into. And most of us in this room have closets and drawers and all kinds of stuff. And materialism has invaded us and kept us from understanding what God is calling us to do. That's how the enemy persecutes us. That's how the enemy sidetracks us. That's how the enemy gets. So what Jesus says is, blessed are you, you've aligned yourself with the kingdom of God when somebody insults you because you're acting like Jesus. What would it look like if one of us in this room decided, I'm going to wear the same shirt all year long because I'm going to stop spending money on clothes that I rarely wear, on a, on a shirt that I wear once every three weeks. I'm going to stop spending money on stuff like that, and I'm going to give it to help people that are dying all over the world. Do you think that people would think that you were goofy? Do you think that if you showed up at the school all year long in the same shirt every single day, do you think that, look, you can wash it every night, but do you think that people could potentially insult you or potentially say things bad about you or even make fun of you. And Jesus says, blessed are you, you've aligned yourself with the kingdom of God when you begin to get his heart for things and people make fun of you because you've gotten his heart on something. That's when you started making some sense. That's when you're doing something that, that makes sense in, on an eternal level, not on just a, a temporary level. How many shirts do we need, right? Point number three, my punishment for following those laws. What I'm saying here is the punishment for following the laws of the kingdom of God. When you choose to follow a different order, a different set of rules, a different set of laws, your punishment for that from the world is ostracism. All that means is you're left out of stuff. You're ostracized. The punishment for following the kingdom is you're just going to get, bless you. The punishment for following the law of God is you're just going to get left out of stuff regularly. It reminds me of this scene in Greece. How many of you have seen this in Greece, right? It reminds me of this scene where, where Sandy is invited over to one of the girls' house. I think it's Frenchie's house, whoever's house it is. I don't remember. But Rizzo is there, and Rizzo makes fun of Sandy because she is living a pure life, and she begins to sing this song. Look at me. I'm Sandra D, flowered with virginity. Won't go to bed till I'm legally wed. I can't. I'm Sandra D. And somehow this song is her making fun of her. 
I got news for you. I'm going to tell you two things. Sex is for married people. Number two, if you believe that, you're going to get made fun of at school. That's it. It's that simple. Sex is for married people. If you believe it, if you follow through with it, you're going to get made fun of at school. Because our, our punishment for following the, the good law of God is ostracism from the world. It's just, and Jesus says, blessed are you. You've aligned yourself with the kingdom. When you are insulted or made fun of or persecuted because you're living your life the Jesus way. Blessed are you. You've aligned yourself with the kingdom. When somebody makes fun of you because you've taken a stand to live the life that Jesus has called you to live. Finally, number four. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let, I, I'll, I'll tell you the story and then we'll close. I believe that as we take a stand, you're, when you take a stand, you're going to be noticed for it. I was a senior in high school and um, I played baseball for my high school team. And uh, my high school team was a bunch of reprobates like many of your sports teams. How many of you played sports uh, and, and, and a lot of the people on your team are absolute heathens? How many of you have that, 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 you have that um, experience? Yeah, me too. Tyler, I hate that you're raising your hand, but yes, I believe you. Um, so so uh, my whole team, I, explain this, who knows, but my whole team either smoked or, or chewed tobacco or dipped Except me, I just wasn't interested in it for two reasons. One is I wasn't interested in it, and two, if I would have, my dad would have killed me. So my, they would just, they would constantly beg me, please let us buy you tobacco. Please let us make you, please let, please smoke with us. They just wanted to, whatever it was, I'd taken a stand and they just wanted me to do that. And I was like, guys, I'm just not going to do that. So anyway, we go on this road trip one time and uh, this is 20... Let's see, it was 1995, so whatever that is, 23 years ago, over 23 years ago. We go on this road trip, this baseball road trip, and uh, my team knew that I was a Jesus follower. I told them I was a Christian. They all knew it. It changed the way that I talked. It changed the way that I acted. It changed the fact that I, I, I just, look, I'm not saying that you're going to hell if you smoke or chew tobacco. I just felt like it was a stand for me as a senior in high school. I, I this just wasn't going to be the person that I was. So anyway, so we go on this road trip. And um, somebody brings a VCR. Now, I know most of you don't know what that is, but we stayed in a hotel. A VCR is a machine that plays the little cassette tapes. It's, it was the thing before the DVDs. Most of you have Blu-ray players. DVDs preceded that. V VCRs were these video cassette tapes. They basically look like a cassette tape, which might mean nothing to you also, but it was for video, and you played video on it. In fact, Amber mentioned it last week, how you would have to rewind them or you would get charged when you turn them in. So somebody brought a VCR on the road trip, and when we got there, there was only one reason to bring a VCR with a bunch of guys on a road trip at a hotel. So we got, so we got there, and my whole team goes into this hotel room, and I, I go to walk in. And they say, Jeremy, you can't be in here. I said, why? They said, well, we're about to watch porn. Now, I know that y'all don't think this is uh, like, like, you're like, well, I mean, why did you have to have a VCR? I mean, you can see it on your phone. No, no, we couldn't. We didn't have those. We didn't have those kind of things. But, that, but that's what they were doing. But here's, here's the big deal. 
Here's the only point that I want to make. I got left out. I said, You're, I said why can't I come in? He said, because we're, we're going to watch some stuff that we know that you can't watch. Not like your parents won't let you, but you've chosen not to do this. And I said, you're right. I, and, and I left. And I stayed by myself while my entire baseball team sat in a room, which is kind of awkward. And, 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 and look at that. But the point is this. When we choose to live a life that is different, you're going to get ostracized. I know y'all are going. I just, some of y'all's brains have gone much further than this whole scenario went. But the point is this. You're going to... Um, you're going to get left out of stuff. I got left out of stuff. I got left out when they rode down the road when they, everybody got in the car and they went smoking or they went chewing or they went, I just got left out of stuff. I got left out. And that's the punishment for, for, for choosing to be like Jesus. There are going to be some weekends. There are going to be some Friday nights that you don't get to go out with your friends because they're doing things that you have made a commitment not to do. I spent many a Friday night at my home with my brothers playing Nintendo while all of my friends went out and partied many times, making memories, having fun, doing stupid things. I spent so many Friday nights, and I'm just telling you, what's going to happen is, is everybody's going to come back to school on Monday, and they're going to talk about how crazy it was, and you're going to have this, um, this raging, this raging feeling of FOMO, Right? FOMO, the fear of missing out. You'll be like, oh, just, I miss out on everything. Jesus makes me miss everything. And I just want you to know, I just want you to know, point number four, my reward, my reward, point number four, Michael, my reward for following those laws is in heaven. Now, I got some great news for you. When Jesus talks about heaven and Jesus talks about hell, he is never talking about the heaven and hell you and I are thinking about. Never. He's never talking about the future life where we're, where we're like angels and floating and stuff. He's never talking about that. He's talking about right now. He's always talking about right now. And what he's saying is heaven is the place where you and God have a deep relationship. That's all he's talking about. It's that simple. Your reward is here and now. There's something going on you that is deep that is a deep relationship with Christ. When you choose to follow Jesus, you choose to live in the kingdom, you're going to get left out on a lot of stuff that the world's doing, but you're going to get included in everything that God's doing. And that's your reward. Your reward is in heaven. And heaven is right here, right now. So tonight I want to pray for you, and uh, we'll get out of here. By the way, I'm going to go to Taco Bell and Helena. I would love for all of you to come join me. But before I go to Taco Bell and Helena, <clears throat> I'm going to ask our small group leaders to come up. I'm going to ask you a couple things to pray about, but here's what, I want to, here's what I would like to do. I want to invite you, if you see your small group leader is standing by themselves, here's what I want you to do, young people. Listen to me. Focus for me. If your small group leader is standing by themselves, no one has come to pray with them, you come up and pray with them because your small group leaders have been praying for you all week and they would love to pray with you. So if you see one of these guys or gals standing up here not praying with you, come on up and pray with them. 
We want to pray with you guys tonight. So if you'll close your eyes, I want to ask you two quick questions. Number one is this. If you say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, and I feel something on the inside of me saying, it's time for you to make the decision to align yourself to Jesus' way. It's time for you to follow Jesus. There's something on the inside of you. You're just feeling, God, you know what? It's time for me to, to make this decision. It's time for me to follow Jesus. If that's you in this room, you're not a follower of Jesus, and it's time for you to make that decision. Will you lift your hand? We want to pray with you tonight. Anybody in here? Great, thank you. Anybody else? I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, and it's time that I made the decision. I'm ready to follow Jesus. The second thing is this. You would say, Pastor Jeremy, I have seen myself, I've noticed myself easily distracted from living the way that I know Jesus wants me to live. Whether you've, where you've just gotten where you've just gotten out of focus, where you're just not living the way that Jesus wants you to live. You follow Jesus, but you're just struggling right now. You're distracted right now. If you say, Pastor Jeremy, I just, it's time for me to, it's time for me to, to refocus and, to, and, to, and to, to get back doing what Jesus wants me to do. If that's you tonight, will you lift your hand? It's time for me to, it's time for me to refocus. Lift them high for, so I know who we're talking about here tonight. In fact, some of the things, keep, keep them up for a second. In fact, some of the things that I said tonight, you were like, my God, that's me. I'm doing those things. Good. If you'll stand with me tonight, look, there's about 10 or 12 of you that lifted your hands. And then I've got about, I think I have 15 small group leaders up here. So let's fill this group and let's pray tonight, okay? So as I begin to pray, I'm going to ask that you start coming this way. I'm going to pray for you, okay? So if you'll close your eyes. As I start praying, you, you walk up and let's pray together, all right? Jesus, I'm grateful for young people that are challenged to live a life that is different. A life that you've called us to do that is going to be different. We're going to be ostracized sometimes. We're going we're gonna to be different. We're going to act different. And it's in that that we're going to be rewarded with a deep relationship with Jesus. If you see one of your group leaders up here standing by themselves, come pray with them, okay? Jesus, tonight, I pray for every teenager in this room, that you would challenge us to live a life that is different. Not just to be different, but because that's the life you've called us to live, the one that brings to this world the healing that it needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you guys. I'll see you all.